Welcome to Steamy Stories. This daily podcast features the best developing authors of love stories, along with exotic journals of passionate and explicit human interaction. Our curators have selected stories each day, bringing a diverse collection of storylines. Some are historic, some are futuristic, but they all relate to the human quest of physical and emotional desires for sexual expression. We delve into the youthful discovery of sexuality. We chronicle the vast expressions of healthy affection and sex drive. We feature the creative ways that real people overcome life's adversities and limitations and still find sexual fulfillment. And we celebrate the successes of people who restore losses in their love life and go on living in a pleasurable and generous way. Balanced sexuality is essential to healthcare for body, soul, and spirit. Subscribe to Steamy Stories podcast in your mobile apps and browsers. And now, today's story. Lost in Eros, Book 2, The Forest Part 6 By Bradenton Larry Chapter 8 Tracking Tasha Don scrambled down the last gravelly decline and looked frantically about for any sign of Tasha. Now that he had finally managed to come down from the area that had been separated from the river by a steep cliff face, Don found himself in a lightly forested, grassy hill country, through which the river ran rapidly. On the other side of the river, beyond a small, an empty, grass clearing, were more hills and a thicker forest. He, Nicole, Amy and Shalonda had followed the edge of the cliff, careful to keep an eye on the river below in case Tusha had managed to catch onto some outcropping or root. They had seen several cataracts not too big, but large enough that anyone going over them would be plunged violently underwater. The last of those little waterfalls was only a dozen meters upriver from where Don stood now, making quite a bit of noise. By the time the girls had caught up to him, Don was already moving downriver, hugging the waterside and looking frantically for evidence that Tusha had made it this far. It seemed that the river was gradually widening, and this meant that the current would ease up. So Don thought it was increasingly likely that Tusha would have been able to make it to shore. He thought he would probably find her waiting for them. He needed to remain convinced that he would find her impatient and wet. Still, not finding her at all was better than some alternatives. After about 10 minutes of his hurried chase down the river, he noticed that Nicole was trying to get his attention, calling, Professor. Hoping she had spotted Tusha, he spun around, almost colliding with Shalonda, who had been trailing him closely. You better come look at this, Nicole said. She was looking out into the river. With a sinking heart, Don ran back to where Nicole and Amy stood. What is it? There was something, or someone. Nicole trailed off, staring intently at the water. I saw it too, Amy added. There? Nicole pointed. Sure enough, there was someone in the water. Moreover, this person seemed to be beckoning to them. Don moved closer, actually taking a few steps into the river. The beckoner disappeared under the water, only to resurface a few meters away from Don. He could now clearly see that it was a beautiful young woman with big eyes and long straight hair of dark, emerald green. Ah, hello, Don tried. The green-haired young woman rose up out of the water, displaying pale, perfect breasts. She pointed upstream. Have you seen our friend? The woman repeated her gesture, more emphatically. Tim is in the well. Nicole smirked. Nobody laughed. I suppose she's saying we need to go back, Don said 
stepping back on dry land. If she were here Tasha would say, you suppose. Amy said. She had already started heading back upriver. Once they had backtracked to almost where they had finally reached the riverside, the woman in the water got their attention by splashing water at them. When they were looking, she pointed at a small clearing on the other side of the river, or at the trees beyond the clearing. Tasha went that way. Don asked. The woman nodded. Without any hesitation, Don started into the water. Hold on a second, Professor. Nicole said. When Don turned, impatience written clearly all over his face and posture, she said, maybe we should think about this for a minute. What? I can swim across that. Maybe, Nicole shrugged. You don't know how fast the current is. But, that's not what I meant. We don't know anything about that woman, she nodded toward the green-haired stranger. Maybe she's trying to lure you to a watery grave, or something. Maybe she did that to Tasha. Getting into the spirit of things, Amy said, and if Tasha got out of the river there, why didn't she stay there so we could find her? Don frowned at the girls. He knew they had good points, but he couldn't resist the conviction that Tasha could be in trouble and he had to do whatever he could to find her. Apparently he wasn't alone, because while he paused to consider Nicole and Amy's caution, Shalonda dove into the river and began crossing it, swimming a bit clumsily while holding onto her staff. The green-haired woman watched Shalonda's progress with a smile and made no move to interfere. Well, that's that, Don said, and promptly dove in after Shalonda. The current was strong, but not so strong that he couldn't compensate. After a couple of minutes, he was pulling himself out of the water. He smiled at Shalonda and said, thank you. She just grinned back at him and shook the water out of her hair. Don found himself distracted by the way her tank top clung to her fit body and luscious tits. It had been an uncommonly long time since he'd had any release, after all. Shalonda broke his distracted train of thought by bending down to help Amy out of the river. Don turned to give Nicole a hand up onto the grassy bank. Once they were all on dry land, Don looked back asked the green-haired river maiden if she could give them any more information, but she was nowhere to be seen. Don decided to reassert some direction, before the others started to succumb to the inflamed sex drive that was already making him painfully aware of the wet feminine bodies so near at hand. He said, okay, well, if Tasha came up here, something must have made her leave. Otherwise, as Amy pointed out, she would be here waiting for us. So, let's look around and see if there's some kind of sign or evidence of something. There are animal tracks over here, Nicole said after a moment. The others gathered around a patch of dirt where a number of prints were clearly visible. Hoof prints, Don nodded. Deer maybe. No, pigs, or goats maybe. Kind of big for goats, don't you think? Nicole asked. Don shrugged, I know they're not horses or deer, but that's about it. It looks like someone went this way in a hurry, Shalonda said from further along the edge of the clearing. What do you mean? Amy asked. Well, these little branches are broken, and those flowers are trampled, and look here, that's a footprint. It's about the right size for Tasha. How did you notice all that? Amy asked. Shalonda just shrugged, and kept moving into the woods, following the trail of minor destruction that she assumed had been left by Tasha. I say we follow Shalonda's lead, Don said, but everyone try to remember how to get back here, in case we lose the trail or something. Unfortunately, 
they had only gone deep enough into the woods to slightly diminish the sound of the river and that last little waterfall before Shalonda drew up and shook her head. I don't know where she went next. That's okay, Don said. Let's think, if she'd been running this way, where would she run next? Maybe that way, Shalonda pointed up the side of the hill in front of them. So, they all climbed up that hillside, moving slowly so Shalonda and the others could look for any sign of Tusha. At the top of the hill, Amy held up her hand and hissed, Sure. Everyone held their breath and strained their ears. Finally, Don asked, What was it? I don't know, Amy shook her head. I thought I heard something, maybe a sex sound, maybe a Tusha sound. I think it came from off that way somewhere, but I can't be sure. Don peered in the direction Amy had indicated, which was to the left of the way they'd been heading. He couldn't hear anything, but the river behind them. Then Shalonda, who had moved around a large rock jutting out of the side of the top of this hill, said, Oh, she went this way. The others quickly came around to join Shalonda, and they could all see the signs of someone crashing and sliding down far side of the hill. How do you know it was Tasha? Nicole asked. Look, Shalonda pointed to a clear handprint in some wet dirt. If it hadn't been made by Tusha, it had been made by a woman with a hand very close in size to her. Without waiting to see if the others agreed with her assessment, Shalonda followed the screed down to the base of the hill and then started up the next. Near the top, she paused, though. It was so clear, but now. Shalonda said as Don came up next to her. Oh, she turned this way and headed to the left. That's the direction I said, wasn't it? Amy asked. Don only nodded and followed after Shalonda, who seemed to have had some kind of hunting or tracking experience before she was brought to Eros. Combining this with her martial arts skills, Don thought she might have been in the military, though he knew it might just be that she'd had a parent who took her camping a lot and then later she took kung fu classes. Following along after Shalonda, they made slow but steady progress along a line of hills that seemed to parallel the course of the river. Finally, after what must have been an hour, Shalonda led them up a particularly steep slope, where, Shalonda said, it was obvious that Tusha had climbed up using both her hands and feet. Just past the top of this steep slope, there was a small, leaf-carpeted clearing in front of a very large moss-covered fallen tree trunk. Whoa! I smell sex! Amy announced. Don could smell it too, not only the smell he loved so well of Tusha's aroused sex, but also of male cum, and quite a bit of both. There's come all over these leaves, Nicole noticed. Someone's been having fun, Amy laughed. It's hard to tell with the leaves, Shalonda said, but it looks like Tusha tripped on that root there and fell here. Then someone had sex against that tree, and then more sex over there, on those leaves with the cum on them. I'm starting to think Tusha doesn't need our help, Amy smiled. Why was she running through the woods, then? Nicole asked. Clearly, after the incidents with the sex plants and the attack over the river, Nicole had adopted a much more cautious attitude toward Eros. Don thought that attitude was entirely appropriate. If it was Tusha having sex here, and I agree that it probably was, Don said, we should assume that it was against her will. But even if she was having fun, that doesn't mean she doesn't still need our help, or that we ought to just abandon her. Nicole and Amy nodded their agreement, the former a bit more emphatically than the latter. Shalonda was already checking out the brush around the clearing. They went this way, she announced at last. 
As they all fell in behind Shalonda, Don asked, Are you sure? Yes, she said quietly, but I think Tusha was being carried, and there are more of those hoof prints. The path they were following was more or less straight, angling upstream and away from the river. Though Shalonda said the trail was pretty easy to follow, they were all together, and not trying to be sneaky, it was quickly getting dark, which slowed them down considerably. What do you mean, they were all together? Don asked. How many were there? Three or four, plus Tusha, I think, Shalonda said. We're going to have to stop soon. I can't follow them in the dark. What's that? Nicole asked, pointing ahead through the trees and deep shadows. A light? Amy suggested. Probably a campfire, Shalonda decided. I can follow that in the dark. Okay, but we need to be careful. It could be a trap, Don said. We move slow and quiet, and nobody does anything crazy, all right. The women nodded back at him. He was glad they all seemed to be taking this seriously. Shalonda took the lead, and the others moved behind her. Step by cautious step the fire in the distance grew until they could make out figures near it. Shalonda led them down into and then along a low gully that kept them from seeing the fire for about five minutes. When she climbed quietly up the far side of the gully, she stopped when her head was just over the top edge. Don joined her, lying on the ground next to her, looking at the campfire which was now not so distant. While it was easy for Don, Shalonda and the others to see what was going on around the campfire, those in that bright circle of light couldn't possibly see into the darkness of the forest where Don and company now spied upon them. What are those? Shalonda whispered in honest, open curiosity. They look like satyrs, Don whispered back, while simultaneously gaping. There by the campfire was Tasha. She was on her hands and knees, while what looked to Don like a half-man half-goat creature, was clearly fucking her vigorously from behind. There was another satyr in front of Tasha, and she was stroking its very erect cock. Tasha looked over her shoulder at the satyr behind her and said, that's it scratch, keep fucking me. Then she pulled the one in front of her closer, and began to suck its cock. Now that looks like fun. Amy whispered in Don's ear with a grin. A third satyr came into view and promptly flopped on its back and scooted under Tusha, reaching up to play with her tits as the swayed over his face while she was being fucked. The three women were, like Don, transfixed and turned on watching their lost companion enjoying the rough pleasures of satyr loving. They watched intently as Tusha pulled herself off the cock behind her only to lower herself down on the one beneath her. The satyr she'd called Scratch wasted almost no time, then in pushing himself into Tusha's ass from behind. During these maneuvers Tusha hadn't taken her mouth off the cock in front of her. Tusha's happy grunts and moans, along with those of the satyrs, carried easily in the night air. Amy declared quietly, and that looks like a lot of fun. While he was watching all of this, Don was acutely aware of his own, very stiff, cock, and the presence of the women on either side of him. Shalonda was breathing heavily, and Amy was moving her hand up the back of his leg. What's it going to be, then, Professor? Amy asked. Do we bust in and rescue her, or just join the party? She might not want to be interrupted at the moment, Nicole observed quietly. Well, someone better interrupt me soon, Amy breathed. That does look like fun, Don, Shalonda added. Don had to admit that he had little to no interest in making the women wait much longer for sex. 
He thought there was a chance that Tusha might get hurt if they startled the satyrs, but he couldn't think of any way of doing that and not also giving them a chance to carry her off in the night. They did seem pretty distracted by fucking Tusha. By now Shalonda was biting Don's shoulder as she played with herself, her arm between her body and the earth, and Amy's hand was on his ass. Yes, something had to give. Okay, Don said, this is what we're going to do. He stopped talking then, because he hadn't heard the we're going to do part. He tried, that's weird, but didn't hear that either. Then he noticed that he couldn't actually move, and that the firelit scene in front of him was rapidly fading to black. Alarmed, he tried shouting, hey, but not only did he hear nothing, but he was pretty sure his mouth hadn't even opened. Then, everything was black, and he thought he must be asleep. Chapter 9. Tusha's Frustration. Tusha was tied up again. This time, though, she was sitting down. She was tied to a wooden frame chair with a low back. Her arms were tied together behind her, bound at the wrists to each other and the chair. Her legs were tied at the ankles, to the legs of the chair, and at the knees, to the posts that supported the ends of the arms of the chair, so that she couldn't close her thighs. Other than that, she was comparatively comfortable, particularly in relation to being tied to that damned X-cross. Beyond that, though, she actually thought her situation was much worse. Shortly after passing out on the big, red sheet and cum-covered mattress, Tusha had been dragged out of the men's quarters and been washed down, first by several buckets of cold water, and then by a pair of serving girls who must have been chosen for their lack of gentleness. Then, she had been tied down spread-eagled on the stone floor in a room off the main hall where she'd been on display earlier. She was left there overnight and well into the morning. Tasha really hadn't minded that bit, though. Once she'd gotten used to the cold stone against her back, she'd been quite content to sleep. The lack of sleep from the previous two nights, each of which she'd spent tied up in one way or another, as well as the exertions of her hours of sex with the men, had left her in desperate need of unconsciousness. Still, she'd awakened hours before anyone had come to check on her, and the feeling of isolation that swept over her was brutal. Tasha had never doubted that Don must be trying to find her. She expected him to burst in and rescue her at any moment. Or, at least, she had. It was becoming increasingly difficult for her not to think that something terrible had happened to Don. In her more selfish moments she feared that he might have given up on her and decided to return to the manor. More often, though, she didn't doubt his devotion to her, but worried that he might have gotten hurt or worse and couldn't get to her. Of course, the most likely scenario, she thought, was that he was looking but simply couldn't find her. In any case, the solitary confinement was ultimately lifted. She was untied, allowed to eat, and then tied to this chair, which was then hoisted up and carried into a big chamber off the main hall. This room was obviously the feast hall of the castle. Four large, heavy tables dominated the four quadrants of the chamber. There were also quite a few colorful pillows and mattresses here and there. There were, at first, no sisters present only half a dozen serving girls who were cleaning up, refilling fruit bowls, and doing various other domestic tasks. Tusha and her chair were set on a raised platform at one end of the room, and then left alone for at least an hour. Then, Daphne came into the room and walked straight up to Tusha. The leader of the sisterhood was wearing a crude metal breastplate and loincloth, and was covered in perspiration, 
as if she had been engaged in vigorous exercise. She had her long, black hair pulled back in a ponytail. With an expression devoid of personal interest or compassion, Daphne checked the bonds around Tasha's wrists and knees. When she was satisfied, she placed her hands on Tasha's bare thighs and leaned forward so that her face was directly in front of and very close to Tasha's own. You put on quite a show yesterday, pup, Daphne said with contempt. That got me wondering if you can take it as well as dish it out. Tonight we're going to put on the show, and you have to sit there and watch, just watch. Tasha realized the beautiful woman might just have discovered her Achilles heel. Since waking up in Eros, Tasha had been acutely aware of the powerfully aphrodisiac effect seeing other people having sex had upon her. Watching Don with the nymphettes and then spying on people through the window and mirrors in the secret passage, had, in less than an hour, demolished her resistance to sleeping with her friend. Still, she certainly didn't want to let Daphne have the upper hand, so she smiled nonchalantly and said, bring it on, bitch. Daphne chuckled and left her sitting there. Another hour or so passed, with Tasha sitting there alone with her chair and her thoughts, before the sisters began to come into the hall. They had left their armor and weapons behind, and were wearing much more feminine garb. Bridget was wearing a long blue skirt with slits running way up both sides, and a necklace of flowers that almost looked like a Hawaiian lei. The flowers rested on top of her impressive, full, and very naked breasts. Other women were wearing open robes, loosely belted togas, sarongs, and the like. Daphne came in later, with only the robe she'd worn the day before barely covering her tits. Her hair was loose now and fell over her shoulders. No one paid any attention to Tasha, but proceeded to eat, drink and be merry. Judging from what she could overhear, most of the conversation going on centered on fighting and physical training. Apparently the women spent a large portion of each day working out and practicing with their weapons. Tasha thought that Don and Shalonda would have their hands full fighting these women. Of course, given the filling nature of the fruit they were eating and the stimulating qualities of the XYZ they were drinking as water and eating with the fruit, it didn't take long before sex was breaking out all around the room. Tasha watched as, off to her right, a blonde woman carried on joking with her friends across the table while a woman with short brown hair lowered her face to the blonde's breasts and ran her hand up between her thighs. Just a short distance down that table, the big, freckled redhead, who had licked Tasha's cheek her first day here was sitting up on the edge of the table with her strong thighs spread as another woman bent down to go down on her pussy. The redhead held the woman's head in place with one hand while pinching and twisting her own nipples with the other. On Tasha's left, a particularly attractive pair of Amazons were making out passionately, naked breasts pressed together, and muscular arms straining as they reached down to play with each other against the hard surface of the bench they straddled. Beyond them, Bridget sat with her back to the table, and a warrior woman on either side of her. Tasha watched intently as the two women kissed and sucked on Bridget's breasts and worked their hands up under her skirt. Then she noticed that Bridget was watching her in turn and smiling mischievously. Tasha felt her cheeks burning with embarrassment and excitement. Her pulse was already racing a bit, and she could feel the wetness and heat of her pussy. In another 15 minutes it seemed that there was nowhere she could turn her gaze and avoid seeing these women in some sexual act. Now there were women writhing on the floor around her, locked in 69s or twisting in muscular, feminine daisy chains. The aroma of womanly arousal filled the air. 
Daphne had known what she was doing, all right, Tusha realized. This was the easily the worst torment she'd undergone, to see all this unbridled and glorious sex on display right in front of her, assaulting her senses, and yet be unable to participate, or even to touch herself where she desperately needed to be touched. Tusha tried to tell herself that this was just another test for her, to see how much she could take. She had pushed her own limits, as to what she could do with her body to give and receive pleasure, and now she had to see how much frustration she could stand. Tusha finally caught sight of Daphne, who was coming back into the room, followed by some serving girls, including the petite brunette, who Tusha thought must be Nina, the girl who had bathed and fed Tusha, and given her a sweet and all-too-singular orgasm in the middle of the night two nights ago. The servants brought with them a chair similar to the one Tusha was tied to, and set it down in a currently clear part of the floor directly in front of Tusha's, but several meters away. With her cold blue eyes on Tusha's, Daphne sat down in the chair. With one hand, Daphne reached into her robe and cupped her own breast. Tusha watched as the woman licked her own lips and smiled cruelly across the space between them. Then Daphne moved her hand lower, parting her long, firm legs until Tusha could clearly see the pink lips of her pussy. Sure that she had Tusha's attention, Daphne pushed the robe back, exposing her breasts. As much as she hated the woman, particularly in that moment Tusha, could not deny that Daphne was a strikingly beautiful woman. She also knew that she would give anything right now to be untied so she could get her hands on that woman, to kick her, scratch at her, beat her to get her fingers into that woman's pussy, to kiss and bite that cold smile off her face, to make her cry out as she came on Tusha's mouth. Tusha ground her teeth together and sat still. As if she could read Tusha's mind, Daphne made a gesture, and Nina, who had been waiting patiently naked behind the chair, came around and knelt between Daphne's legs. Daphne ran her fingers through Nina's hair almost affectionately, as the girl leaned forward. Tusha could only watch the muscles of Nina's thin back, as she brought her mouth to Daphne's pussy. Tusha remembered the feeling of Nina's tongue and lips on her own pussy and clit, and watched as Daphne relaxed in her chair, eyes half-closed, but still watching Tusha. One hand still caressed Nina's hair, and the other now cupped her own breast. As Daphne's head rolled back a little and the muscles of her arm showed that she was pinching her own nipple hard, Tusha felt a moan that was almost a whimper building up in her own breast. She had never in her life been so inflamed with sexual desire. She knew that a big factor in her frustration was that release was positively denied her. If she thought she would be allowed to come sometime soon, she would bear this restraint more or less cheerfully, almost enjoying the furiously burning excitement in her body. But the fact that there was no satisfaction coming for her was making Tusha wild with frustration. Still, she struggled to maintain an outward appearance of calm, even when it became apparent that the warrior women, who denied themselves all day and kept themselves in peak physical condition, were going to keep this orgy going for hours. To be continued. By Bradenton Larry for Literotica. Thanks for joining us for today's steamy story. Come back tomorrow for another tale of explicit romance and passion. We hope you found pleasure in today's story. Be sure to subscribe to Steamy Stories Podcast in your mobile podcasting app. Our podcast server and website also contains our full library of past episodes. Happy dreams.